Uh, yeah, you can start recording. Right. Okay. Yeah, there it is. I've uh, I've personally just found that um, with myself, I'm just kind of starting out with with podcasting, and um, it's kind of a little bit easier. Oh, there we go. All right. Beautiful face. Shout out. Yeah. Uh, I found that it's a little bit easier to just kind of like just start hitting the record button and not really worrying about because in the past. When I would first do it, I'd always try to sound like super podcasty. Um, <laughs> kind of not really natural. So, um, yeah. But that being said, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, how's your day been going? Thanks for having me. Um, I've been excited to to check this out and and uh, learn more about your podcast. And uh, my day is going great. I, uh, I I had a fun weekend of music. Played a couple shows. Played Friday and Saturday, and uh, did some co-writes on Sunday. And uh, it, it felt good to get back to my day job and just uh i like doing a lot of different things so it was a fun weekend and it's right. kind of a good monday as well good stuff man good stuff we uh we'd love to hear that i'm glad that i was keeping busy with the music obviously uh, having the opportunity to to get that playing in and also it's good to hear that you're doing some writing you have an album coming out uh later this year right yeah so i um i cut an album that I was slated to release in March of 2020. Okay. And I had a release party at D's lounge all planned out and uh, some players lined up and uh, was starting to promote it or getting ready to and uh, printing the album when the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And then, so, you know, my whole, my whole marketing plan was based on touring and so I just decided not to release. Um, and, you know, it wasn't going to be an official release on streaming platforms at that time anyway. Mm -hmm. So I really just took the year to reassess everything. Um, I wrote a lot of new music in that time. And uh, kind of the, the biggest thing, and we can talk about it too, was I, I, I played a lot of tiny shows during the pandemic. And really? uh, okay. played we had a couple of venues where we would have multiple nights a week and um, I just got better at playing live, you know, and it was great because in some ways there was no audience, you know, there mm -hmm. was very, very few people that were willing to go out at those times, but in a big way, the very few people that were out were really excited and it gave me a chance to get to know people that were listening to my music and to, to work on covers and, um, you know, like all these things that a musician needs to do to grow. Mm -hmm. And um, so I thought it was, even though it was a heartbreaking year and a, a, like a disappointment in my release of my, my record, I feel like I'm a way better musician now than I was when I was going to release it. So by the time I finally did start releasing my music, I had a, a better marketing plan. I had better people around me. I had more experience and I had more of, more of a, a catalog of music. Right. So if anything, you know, it's just more more time to kind of get ready for the big day and the big reveal. So this year has been fun because I finally get to get to show off everything I did. That's over amazing, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, out of curiosity, the songs that you were playing at Whiskey Jam were those huh? songs that were already on the on the album, or were those songs that were made over the last year? So uh, we we did. I did four that I wrote and recorded by myself. And then we did one that was a co-write with Scott Levi Jones and Michael Applegate. And right. so three of my songs 
uh, were recorded in 2019 and 2020. Uh, and one of my songs is currently being recorded and that is planned to be released in the fall. Uh, I've got an EP that I'm going to release after I release this album. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, out of curiosity, the one that was with, uh, Michael Applegate, uh -huh. um, and Scott Levi Jones, you said, uh -huh. um, that was little green man, right? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and for our listeners, um, who aren't from Nashville, um, basically what goes down is there's in midtown of Nashville, which is kind of in like the Belmont Vanderbilt area, very young area, very hip. Um, there's an event that goes down called whiskey jam at a bar called winners and essentially local artists or even artists, actually artists travel from all over the place to go ahead and play this show. And they bring on maybe, you know, five to 10 bands somewhere in that area. And they, they just have everybody play three to four songs. And the main thing that made me go up to Paul is his songs in particular. Um, for example, I just referenced one called Little Green Man. There's another one. Um, what is it? Getting something about getting stoned. I can I asked stoned you all the time. Yeah, stoned all the time. Right. Um, which also was a great song um, about. Basically, both of them are about diving into somewhere new. And um, Little Green Man is about the feeling of being an alien. And I'll let you kind of talk on this a little bit more because uh, obviously you know. <laughs> but the meaning a little bit better than I do, uh, but just feeling kind of alienated in this brand new city where you just took a dive. And so um, I'm gonna let you go on that in just a second. Um, and Paul, just so you know, the main point of the podcast is um, I also recently moved to Nashville and upon doing so, I, I'm in like the finance industry. I'm not in music in any way or entertainment. Cool. And I just, I am finding myself getting more and more in love with those people who are taking a dive. Uh -huh. And I'm finding myself that although I really love the company I work for, I love the people I work with, I'm finding that it's not my calling, right? Uh -huh. Going to Whiskey Jam and seeing you on stage, I looked and I said, this is somebody who is chasing his calling. So bringing it back a couple of steps. Oh, my power almost went out. <laughs> well, welcome to uh, the... National Electric Service. Uh, right, right. NES yeah. going hard right now. <laughs> um, so bringing it back a little bit, would you mind uh, kind of diving in a little bit and talking about that decision of, okay, I, I love music. I want to be in Nashville. Like, let's, let's just do it. Let's drop everything. Let's chase it. Yeah, man, I can. And, you know, my story is different than a lot of people's that you talk to. Um, my, my search for my belonging, you know, it's kind of a, a complex one because I found music when I moved here for work. So I was okay. a lifelong musician. I played cello and piano as a kid and I was in choir and I started writing songs as soon as I could, like as soon as I could. My parents, like, I don't know if you remember the guy on Toy Story with like the microphone that's, it's got like a face on the tape deck. It's like a white tape recorder with like all okay, these Okay, yeah, right, right, yeah. I had one of those as a kid. And uh, my, I like, you know, as soon as I could walk, I think I was recording myself making noises on that. Right. So I was like a, I was probably born a musician, but I was so interested in so many different things that it, it was always kind of on the back burner. And uh, it was just kind of this extracurricular thing that I did 
because I was kind of natural at it. It was easy mm -hmm. for me to do it in a lot of ways. Like I didn't have to, I didn't practice my cello or the piano. Like I just showed up and played and I got kind of tired of it when I had to practice more. Mm -hmm. But then I got it to be an adult and, uh, you know, I started trying to move around to find a place to live and find a job. And I was doing fine at my job. I was doing well at times, you know, uh, having success. But I was living in Nashville. And this is kind of what that song Stoned All the Time is about. It's about, you know, knowing that you need to make a change and knowing that there's a part of you that, or for me, knowing there was a part of me that needed some some kind of creative endeavor, some something to be out in front of people, sharing my ideas and connecting with people. Mm. And at first I think that I, I got caught up in the, you know, I'll just call it the partying scene. You know, people always going out, always looking for the big thing. And the thing about Nashville is I moved here only knowing some coworkers and some swimming friends. I used to be a, a swimmer, uh, some people I'd swam with when I was a kid and I didn't really connect fully with them. And so I was always going out trying to make new friends. And right. um, like, that was a huge part of life. And in Nashville, it's really easy. Like every person you meet, it's like, hey, I just moved here. I'm into this, you know, just right. wondering if you're also <laughs> into that. And like, that is so easy to make friends. And I made a lot of friends that way. And like, I, my door was always open at my apartment, you know, like I was just inviting people over all the time. And it just seemed like, that was my natural thing was to be a socialite or something. But mm -hmm. at the same time, it like uh, going out drinking every night and spending your money on bar tabs and things like that. It does, it kind of left me empty at the end of the day. And I think that that was a lot of the motivation behind my music and behind, um, behind that song and some of my other songs. And so like, you know, for me, taking the leap was finally acknowledging that I had this gift that I needed to really foster because I was gonna, just going to burn it away otherwise, you know. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the thing that really got me into music is the songwriters rounds in Tennessee. Like you can go into almost any bar <laughs> and there's people playing their original music. Right, right. And I had I had written like I had two albums that albums I'll put quotes around it. Like I made okay. demo albums. I would I wrote so many songs when I was a kid, and they were always about feeling lonely or some girl I liked or like some you know, uh, you know I don't know what teenagers write about some kind of like right a little bit of angst. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> man. <laughs> and so I started playing those songs whenever someone would play they'd be like you play a song man and i'd be like well i do play i uh, know three chords you know right exactly yeah <laughs> yeah and so then i finally like made myself go out and play new music like i made right. myself write, and that's when i started to realize you know there was a part of me that really wanted this a part of me that needed this part of me that had something to a story to tell or something mm-hmm and so, you know, like my friend Scott and Michael, they moved to Nashville because they were they wanted to hustle music. And I moved to Nashville and met those guys and realized that that's who I really was kind of. And also I had a choice on where to move when I was working and I mm -hmm. targeted Nashville because I had heard that it was a place where I'd fit in. Right, right. Had you ever been to Nashville before then? I had, I, w I went here for work once and I, the first thing I said when I came here is I said, I could live here. I love that. I love that I, so much. The company I worked for put me, it was our 
orientation, you know, like the big company hired a hundred people like the same week, they sent us mm -hmm. all down to Nashville to get to know each other. Right. And I, that I like looked out my hotel window downtown. I was like, this town looks awesome. Like, you're I like, this is this. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Where yeah. are you from initially, by the way? So I'm from South Dakota. Mm -hmm. And okay. I lived in Minneapolis uh, before I moved here. And uh, I went to college in Iowa. Interesting. Okay. And then what did you study in college and where did that lead you in your first career? Oh, good question. I studied electrical engineering. Um, I just, I, I had a mentor in high school. I was like kind of a science kid, you know, mm -hmm. and I was dyslexic. So I was kind of bad at reading and I thought college right. was going to ruin me. <laughs> and this guy was like, no, if you get an electrical engineering degree, you can do anything you want, which is kind right. of, kind of funny now in retrospect, because like, I didn't really want to use it. Uh -huh. But uh, I, you know, your story to me, I loved the company I worked for. We made, you know, like um, electrical management systems. So mm -hmm. it helped save the environment. And it was a really cool thing. Like every building has some of our products in it. And like, I got to learn about the world. It was so fascinating. And I really cared about the people I worked with. And then, but at the end of the day, it wasn't, it wasn't helping my heart. You know, like mm. no matter what I put into my work hours, like the next day we just had some new problem to solve. And like, I was looking back and I didn't have anything left from my years of efforts, you know? Right. Kind of a draining right. feeling after like six, six or so years of doing it, I was kind of like ready to find something new, you know, in a big way. So out of curiosity for, for our listeners who, because whoa the parallels in our story are kind of, are kind of crazy um uh -huh. like i also just kind of moved to nashville because i was like i just want to see this place check it out um i'm in and you know i'm doing a job that I, I really enjoy i'm finding that i want to create in some way um i don't think that music like i i wasn't writing music from a very early age but i've always been around it and as well my big thing um i like to be a bridge and an amplifier so i like to bring people together Cool. And also, I want to be the one that gives somebody a mic to get up on stage, like for you, your story to be heard, for example. Uh -huh. um, so that's kind of like where I am in this early stage of starting the podcast. Another question I have is when a lot of people growing up, right, their parents like would when somebody's the kid is like, hey, I just got a job as an electrical engineer. Impressive. Mm -hmm. Right. Everybody's uh -huh. like, OK, your kid's doing right. <laughs> and a lot of people, if you know, you, you know, um, I know like my parents personally weren't like this, but some people are like, you can't taste something like music. Like, you know how many people make it? Like go with the electrical engineering job. You're gonna be, you know, you're gonna be making money for years. You're gonna be sit financially stable, et cetera. How did you justify not only to your family, but also to yourself? Like, okay, I'm really safe right now. And I know you're talking about being a little bit unfulfilled, uh -huh. How did you allow your heart to win out over your head in that moment? Man, that's a good question. Cause that, that was a, a major thing for me in my, you know, battling in my personal life for maybe, maybe two years. So, you know, like, it's kind of funny. So I played at, in, I had like three bands when I was a kid, like in okay. high school, I played bass in one band, acoustic in the other band. I always sang, I always wrote the music. Even I was in a praise band and I wrote my own praise songs, you know, because I just, I just. Like gospel, I, like praise and gospel. It was more like, a, you know, what a high school 
high school teenagers trying to write praise songs. It wasn't gospel music. It okay. was more like a, you know, personal growth uh, okay. and the spiritual songs. They weren't like right. really preachy or anything. Kind of like what I write now, but like now my music is totally more or less totally secular com mm. as compared to like, I wouldn't sing it in a church, but no one would be offended if I sang it in a church, you know? Okay. I'm thinking of what you're throwing down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe they don't want me to sing about being stoned all the time, but the message <laughs> of stoned all the time is that, you know, you need to make a change in your life and that you're recognizing yourself or something like that, you know? Right. Right. But, uh, which is uh, like, so to, you asked about like coming out to my family as a musician, basically. Yeah. So my parents came to visit me and my dad had never been to Nashville and uh, they came to visit and I wrote this song to them that I had been playing out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and it was not a good, it, it, I think it was kind of good, but it was not a, nothing like my songs now. It was not a great song. Okay. Any, any artist would say that like, you know, their earlier stuff, maybe there was some kind of kind of purity to it but it's not a good song you know interesting okay okay and i was like listen to this song i wrote and i played it for them and they were like whoa okay you know <laughs> you were like but bad then, move okay yeah but then as i got better and i started sending them new stuff i wrote more songs then they started to kind of buy into it and i think by, by like 2018 they were like Paul's really good. You know, he's got something and people mm -hmm. seem to like him and he's got making all these musician friends. And I would, I would always talk to my, my parents about, I'm close with my parents. And I would just say, and you know, in my, my, at the time, my girlfriend who's now we're married, but I would just say, I'm going to water this tree, you know, in addition to watering my work tree. Right. And uh, okay. that's kind of what I just did. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to work on a lot of different things. And if music turns out to be something that I feel like I can pursue, that's worth my effort, then I'll keep doing it. You know, it'll make sense in the moment because, you know, no one can say, Oh, I'm going to be a star or something, or I'm going to be able to tour full time. They say, okay, here's this cool song or here's something to practice. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. just so I just like focused on what I could control, you know? Right, right. It's kind of like um, when you hear people say like, you know, I want to do that. I just never have enough time. And it's like, well, yeah. truly, if you like, obviously you were kind of living like a double life. Like you had um, your, you know, your, your work as an electrical engineer and you're doing that. And it's not like you have really short days. You're not there for like three hours and then like, all right, deuces. Yeah. Um, you know, you're probably massively exhausting to begin with for a lot of people. Um, and just an entire process. And then, you know, I've, I've found that what you're truly passionate about and what it is that you want to do in life, um, and I'm kind of coming to terms with this myself, um, is when the workday is done, what's the thing that you want to do? Yeah. Because if you can convert that into what you do when the workday is happening, mm -hmm. that's when you have the opportunity to live a really special life outside of that, right? Like yeah, you mentioned that you're synergy. married. Yeah. Yeah. And you can really pay attention to like building those relationships. Also, it never feels like a chore to kind of develop. Okay, let's go marketing or, you know, let's go ahead. And I've been writing music all day. Well, now I have to go play it like, oh, no. Right. Yeah. I mean, I like I uh, like we, we opened the conversation with like I my days are long, man. Like I get mm -hmm. up and I have a writing job. I do technical writing like I kind of use my 
technical expertise to get me money when I'm not doing music. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, my wife really, really appreciates that. Okay. You're <laughs> you know, right, right. Like, you know, like we, I've got a, a household that I, you know, two dogs and a, and a marriage and like, I need to have something to, to get me through this music time, you know, because it's been a hard time to be a musician in a lot of ways, you know, but like, it's all for me, it's all focused on personal growth and like making sure I do, do a little bit better each time. But like, like uh, I enjoy being out until two in the morning. I don't drink as much as I used to when I was just going out to have fun because mm -hmm. I'm working and I want to be professional and I want to be able to, you know, like take, you know, if someone, you know, I don't want to forget my guitar at the venue or something, you know? Right, right, exactly. So, but, but the thing is, is like, you know, that's not that hard to do. And, and I, I, love playing music like I'll never forget the whiskey jam show that was such a memorable show you know I feel like every day I'm, I'm building on my own journey and I'm making unforgettable experiences and those things are really important to me you know that when I look back on it I don't remember you know trying to get you know I, I remember times when I had you know tight budgets or something but I don't remember you know like busting my butt at my job. I remember going out and playing a show or, or writing a song or like connecting with people. And so that's why I really like music. It's really good for me, I think. Right, that's another really sick way to kind of, yeah, is the position that you're in the one that's creating the memories? Um, I remember, I remember, um, and this is actually about a competitor of mine in the, in the working world. So I won't mention them by okay. name, but there's, a, uh, there's an audit company a big okay. core audit company and i <laughs> when i was in high school or college i asked somebody at the end of they came in to talk to with us and i was like hey do you mind if i get a little coffee chat with you guys i'd love to know more about what you do on a day-to-day -day basis i knew that i wanted to go into like uh, the finance world at the time and um they're like yeah sure come through like i'll introduce you to our like we'll bring you to the client site and we'll like show you what we do there i remember we were going through the day and I was there at their lunch hour and I was like, like, what is it? Like, what's, what's the best part of your day? Like, what do you like to do the most? Um, and they were like, oh yeah, like the team's really good and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, like what, what do you like to do the most? And they're like, we play games during lunch. And I was like, I'm never going into audit. <laughs> I was like, the, the fact that the, the best part of their day was the part when they weren't actually doing what they, what they get paid to do for the whole day is when I was like, oh man, like this is big red flag. And yeah, like what you just said, what you remember is you literally got up on stage and got to promote yourself and you had such a big smile on your face. Like, and then watching Little Green Man, like you, it was very clear that you guys were just good friends who were just having yeah. such a good time. Um, and also that's gotta be really meaningful to know looking out into the audience and I can I can't speak for everybody else because I was standing at the back of the room. My smile was big as hell. Like I was <laughs> having it the entire time. So I guess a, a question is, you know, once you get into the the vibe of, of music and everything, or like once you know that's what a show can lead to, it's a little bit easier to get up on stage. Can you kind of talk about the feeling in that first time when you're in Nashville? You're in Music City. You just kind of, you know, like you said, you know, like three chords on the guitar at the time, <laughs> but you've got this music 
And talk to me about the first time taking that dive, that risk, and exposing <laughs> your music to the world. Okay. Well, I'll tell two stories here. Okay. Okay. So I'll tell one story. It's not, maybe for me as a musician, this is how I felt I was exposing it to the world. So I had this buddy, uh, and your listeners can look him up actually, because he ran for president as like a, like a weird thing. His name's Jeremy Scroggy. Okay. In 2016, he was on the ballot in like 40 states. I met no, this kidding. guy who okay. was totally crazy. He was, fr- we all had all the same friends. I told you I was going out all the time, right? right? So I formed this kind of core of friends that all of them knew each other because they went to Bonnaroo together every year. And like, we would always just like send out a group text and be like, what's good? You know, what's going on tonight? Who's doing what, where, you know, is anyone have a, does anyone have access to a pool this weekend? You know? can I bring uh, margaritas, you know? Right, right, right. So we had, we had kind of this, uh, this group like that and this, and everyone in the group was kind of like, like me, like overly social, really welcoming to new people. And this guy calls me and he's like, there's a huge storm that's about to hit and I'm in your neighborhood. I have two friends with me. Can we stop at your house? And so I said, mm. sure. And the two friends were these two songwriters and one of them, had written some Christian rock hits is still a good friend of mine. Another guy I haven't talked to him forever, but he had three number one singles. His name's Troy Martin, totally eccentric guy. I love him. He's got a crazy life story. Uh, but in the nineties, he had three number one hits in country music. No, So kidding. these guys okay. had been, they'd been hanging out. They'd been writing together. And so they came in and they saw my guitars on the wall and they said like, uh, let's, you know, let's play, you know, so there's this crazy storm outside the lights, you know, natural electric service, the lights are blinking on and off. And we're just kind (laughs) of in my, in my living room on eighth Avenue, uh, doing, uh, you know, just a little, like, check out the song I wrote kind of thing. And I had Mm -hmm. not played a song for anyone in God knows how many years, my guitars are on the wall. were mostly for show, you know, Mm-hmm. like if anything right. i played more piano back then like i just kind of messed around it was like toys to me right kind but of so like a bit I, of decoration more so even yeah exactly you know it's like when, when you have parties you want your friends to feel welcome to play your guitar you know so mm-hmm. i had it on the wall that's a nashville thing every living room has a guitar on the wall here i feel like so i gotta buy myself a guitar i'm not yeah. even gonna get the strings on it <laughs> i probably have some extra <laughs> have it hanging out. Out. yeah so the, uh, anyway, like these guys played their songs and I just, I felt really compelled to share some. And so I played them a few and at first they were like, yeah, you're a good songwriter, you know? And then they were like, wow, you have a good voice. And then they were like, and then I played them one that I was kind of nervous to share because it was really kind of a sad song. Right, right. And that's my song, Cheatin', that hasn't been released yet, but it, uh, it might be on YouTube right now, actually. But uh, they were like, damn, son, you are a performing artist, you know, you need to practice. <laughs> okay. So that was like, and then they, then they invited me to their writer's round in Hendersonville every week, you know? So that was for me like an invitation. It was like, stop hiding. You know, you're not, you're not doing yourself any good by writing music and not playing it for anyone. You right. Know, if you're writing music, you should be out playing it. You know, there's so many writers around here. There's no excuse not to try it. Mm-hmm. 
well, then I kind of went overboard. You know, I went there every week. I was trying to get all my friends to go with me. I was trying to like kind of show people like, hey, what do you think? Is this cool? You know, right. like, should I do this? Am I any good? And uh, so then that was, that must have been 2016 or 2017, probably 2017 when I really started doing it. That's uh, crazy. Around, That's yeah. crazy. And I'd, I'd like to hear the, the second story. Sure. Um, there's one thing in particular I do want to comment on as well. Um, and, you know, like, like I said, we'll get back around to the second part of the story. I really enjoy the fact that you mentioned you're like, you're going to the Riders Round in Hendersonville. And the first thing you wanted to do is bring all of your friends along, right? Yeah. And you're like trying to find somebody like catch onto this with me, right? Yeah. Because it's, it's kind of scary to take those dives alone. Um, yeah. And for example, in starting this podcast, um, it was me and somebody else. And just kind of like, I felt I was kind of like forcing it on them because I was like, I'm too scared to just, you know, do it on my own for whatever reason, right? Like yeah. you go to the writer's rounds, sometimes you probably had great rounds. Sometimes you mm -hmm. didn't, but if somebody else is there, you're like, okay, we're, we're fine. And um, so out of curiosity for you, did you kind of feel the same way and in, in trying dude, to get your friends to do it? Dude, I, I still feel that way. I'll catch myself being like that, mm -hmm. you know? So like, for example, I'm trying to get all these tours planned right now. I have all these venues I talk to. They are venues right now for anyone in the music business. Venues are understaffed right now and they're slammed and they, for a long time, they were resisting telling people that they were open in, in business. You know, they weren't marketing themselves. They were afraid of the backlash of their community saying you're open during COVID, you know? Right. And so, so now suddenly these all over the U.S. places are starting to ramp up and they don't have the, the staff. Mm -hmm. So um, right now, the, the, what made me think of this is, I keep telling my friends, will you go on tour with me? Okay. Right. <laughs> Can you come with me? Uh, how about I go on tour with you? You know, like, and it's right. just like, no, just do it, Paul, you know, just get in your car and go meet venues, whatever it takes, you know? So right now mm -hmm. I'm, I feel very much on the offense right now. And I feel like, you know, it's, everything's more comfortable if, if you have someone to kind of bounce it off of. And I think that back then I was more just afraid that I was doing something stupid. Right. And I wanted someone there with me to maybe like talk about it, to share mm -hmm. the experience with so that I wasn't being sucked into this other group that was like, you know, for some reason misleading me or something. Right. 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 But I think that, you know, that that was kind of just fear in a lot of ways. And like my brother uh, started a podcast a couple of years ago where he talks about baseball. OK. And I think he was the same. Like he wanted a friend, you know, he can't right. he didn't want to just go on there and just start talking about his favorite subject. Whereas I think now it's mostly just him. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. I think in reality, it was him that wanted to do it anyway. Yeah, I think after a while you take a little bit of, you know, ownership over it. It's like scary at first and it's like, oh man, like I don't want to take this dive on my own. Um, right. But yeah, after a while, it's kind of like, you know, you meet your friends or, or you, 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 the thing is, is you find that niche when you take that dive, you'll find people who are already invested in the niche. And it's so much easier to kind of roll forward with people who are invested like that, right? Like with, with Michael Applegate, for example, um, than if, if you and I were friends for like, you know, 10 years and you're like, Corey, like, come on, let's go recording. And I'll be like, I played the violin some in high school. <laughs> I, I don't know uh, how much I could be of assistance to, right? Yeah, you know, and also like, you know, we both seem, to me, you seem like a social person like me and like, 
it's just so much more fun to have someone there to like share experiences with. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think to this day, I could probably take on more solo gigs, but I would, I like to bring a band with me, you know, like I make an effort to bring in my friend to do a set with me, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think some of that's good too. Like you, you got to collaborate. But also you have to be willing to take a risk and stand out on your own and look like a fool because the chances are you, you probably have an idea that's worth sharing, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And so, um, yeah, I just thought that was a really interesting kind of point, like in, in that small point of just, yeah, I'm trying to bring my friends with me. And I was like, wow, like I've felt that personally. And so to kind of talk to me about, that's kind of when you recognize, like I can introduce this to the world, right? And it's kind of cool that it was an external force that let you know, a complete chance where literally somebody who became a president or was a presidential candidate <laughs> is telling you, hey, you should literally bring your music to the world. Um, yeah. And then kind of talk to me about that first time of you're on stage, people are there to see you perform, you know, or yeah. even, even if it's like you're at a restaurant and, you know, for maybe not like something like whiskey jam, but like distillery where you're hearing the music and people are there, they want to hear the live music and they're there for you. Yeah, for sure. You know, like, so I was, I told you, I went to this place in Hendersonville. It's closed now. Scott Jones, Scott Levi Jones wrote a song about it called Hole in the Wall that's on his next album. Okay. And like perfectly describes this place. It was a hole in the wall. And it was like a playground for a writer because you could write, you could play anything and you could mess up and no one would care. It was all songwriters in there. They did not care if you were good or not. They just wanted to see someone work on their craft, you know? Right. So it was kind of like, almost like going to church. You know, mm-hmm. people were like, oh, let's hear, tell me that song you're working on or, you know, like, or like a songwriter's anonymous, you know, like, it right, was like, right. it was like a not, so that didn't count. So then one day I, uh, I, I walked into this bar closer to my house. It's gone now. It was called Bobby's Idol Hour Tavern. And it was like a famous place on Music Row or just off Music Row, like a place where songwriters famous songwriters have been going for years to play like their Mm. weekly writers round and to work on their new songs and it was such a cool place i'm sad that it's closed there's it's kind of like you know the grandfather of music row um writers bars as they exist today Mm. but anyway i i walked in there one day with my parents and they were like our son's a songwriter he should play here and i name dropped a guy uh who wrote the song uh don't take the girl Craig no Martin. kidding so he he played yeah, at dickie's he he was out at dickie's this this bar he was there like every week playing his songs he he had a few tim mcgraw songs I'm, i don't know any country music like i would i'm better off not to say what song writers my friends were because i don't <laughs> know who they wrote for okay and that okay. guy that guy i dropped his name and they were like you know craig you should come in here and play sam do you have an opening at your thing on Wednesday? Like there was a guy at the bar who was like, yeah, let's get you on Sam's jams. So the next week I rolled in like right at the beginning of the time they were like, yeah, so just come in between six and nine or whatever. I walk in at like six Oh one. And they were like, Paul, you're on. No kidding. So like, I was like, okay. So like I grabbed my guitar and I sat down and like, I had never played a place like this. Right. And I played my three songs. And after the, after they came up Your and they were three like, self-written songs. Yeah. 
Okay. And afterwards I came to off and they were like, Paul, where are you from? And I thought they meant like, like everyone, like, where are you from before Nashville? And I said, right. South Dakota. And they were all like, Oh, okay. And they were like, cause we, we, we'd never heard of you before and we couldn't believe it. So we just thought you must be from out of town. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I, I live down the street. This is just my first writer's round. And they were like, what the heck? Right. They were like, you're really <laughs> good, crazy. man. You keep, keep working on it. And I was like, right. you know, to me, that was like the most, that was like the biggest encouragement I could have got. Like that they saw a guy that was totally new, but that they thought he, he was legit. And like, that is what really inspired me to try to start recording. You know, just mm. like, I should record something, you know? Right, right. I've been writing the, all these songs. I've been playing them to like these small crowds, but maybe I should record something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking of which, um, I just want to let everybody know that you can find um, you can find Paul. His name is Paul Gordon on Spotify. Uh, he's got two songs uploaded there right now, Domesticated and September. And I was, uh, I, I admittedly have not had the opportunity to listen to September yet, but Domesticated, <laughs> that's like such even like a different style from it. I was not expecting when I, when I clicked <laughs> on it. That is nothing like what I heard at Whiskey Jam. Yeah, it's that was amazing. Thanks, man. Uh, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me about the writing process. Like you brought it up, you're, uh, you know, you're doing, um, you're in Hendersonville with everybody who is just so open and, and happy to help out. Um, kind of talk to me about the first time that you walked in. Did you walk in with friends? Um, because that's also like taking another dive, right? It's, if just as big, if not bigger than the first time that you get on stage. Uh-huh. So yeah, in Hendersonville. Yeah. The, the first time I went there, I brought this guy that ended up, he ended up being my roommate. Uh, this guy that I was hanging out with all the time. Um, and like, I was just like, Hey, I just agreed to go to this place in Hendersonville. Um, I have no idea what it's going to be like, and we were going to hang out tonight. So, uh, do you want to go there? You right. Know? And he was just like, sure. You know, <laughs> screw Let's it. Make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like this smoky barbecue joint. Like, like the whole place inside was like cigarette smoke. The lights were dim. Mm-hmm. And it's just a bunch of Southern guys, not very many women, <laughs> mostly just men like blue collar type type guys that, you know, to this day, I really care about all of them. A lot of them were like, I would not have met any of these guys any other way. You know, they, it's funny. As soon as you leave Nashville, you're in this bubble here. As soon as you get out in the, out of town, you're in like a very different world. It's like people that were born and raised around here. They're very, mm-hmm. have much more of a rural mindset. Like coming from South Dakota, my family is more like a rural kind of culture as much as it can be different than like a city family or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, like, it's just like, it was a very different place. Like there was no frill on the place. If you wore nice shirts or clothes, no one, no one cared. There was no one like, right. no single women there or something. You know, it was just like, it's like no one even knows about this place. You know, this right. is a total secret. And that's why guys like Craig Martin and Troy Martin and some of these other writers, that's why they were there. You know, they were there because they were hiding, working on their music. Right, right. Yeah, yeah you kind of want the opportunity. You know, it's 
it's a really scary thing to to try to you know you spend all the time creating the music and uh to, to try to show it to other people and yeah like you need that that little bit of solace that opportunity to get away and kind of perfect it before you know you're getting out there and trying to show everybody oh yeah everyone always talks about the ten thousand hours which i'm still i don't know if i've hit that as a musician <laughs> Okay. I, I, I still feel like I, I'm improving so much all the time. And that's one thing I talked about earlier is how much the last year has been helpful for me to get better right. at guitar and singing and writing. And, um, but like having an arena, a playground, a sandbox, whatever you want to call it, like a place where you can go and get those hours of experience. I mean, because when you saw me at Whiskey Jam, I had uh played those songs so many times i mean mm -hmm. hundreds of times and i could you know normally i play a four hour set with my friends you know i'm not playing the whole time but like right we're taking right, right. turns we're we're delivering deep tracks you know we're playing covers and we're we're doing whatever we can to keep the crowd into us and interested and sticking around and right right more tips in the jar you know exactly <laughs> so like by the playing whiskey jam that's a walk in the park you know like that's what Dickies helps you do. You know, those places, the nights where there's no one paying attention, that's a night of personal growth as a musician, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. So maybe like, so I don't know exactly what you do in finance, but like, I like to make parallels to, because um, when I was an engineer, I felt like this whole world wouldn't work if engineers weren't making electrical gear you know like mm. literally nothing would work if we didn't if if this company vanished right now the world would be in total chaos you know right like, and uh like it felt weird that no one knew that that they existed in this weird way but they're super okay. important okay yeah and i think that that's like a common thing like uh that you feel sometimes as though what you're doing it's not reaching people or it's not being recognized or it's, you know, like in the, I was in marketing at, uh, for a while at that company. So it's like, you know, if it's B2B business to business, nobody even knows it exists, but if it's business to consumer, everybody knows about it. Cause it's like right. consumer marketing is everyone sees it when they, you know, when they're on their phone or watching TV. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, you feel like you're not being recognized, but in reality, what you're doing is you're, you're doing something really important and you're practicing and you're getting acquainted with things that someday might be super, super important to somebody and you will be recognized. You know, I think that I've learned some lessons about just like professionalism from mm -hmm. making a change to music where everything happens on a much faster time scale. Like, you know, the relationships you make in music are way, way important, just kind of like more so than like in electrical engineering or something. You know, there's there's some parallels there i think that you know not to go on a huge tangent but like i try to make music in a way that it lets me connect with people that aren't musicians you know mm. like i feel like i'm trying to connect with people that have been in a similar life experience and you know my like my life doesn't you know i might be a musician but my life having music in it doesn't mean that i don't can't relate to people that aren't musicians and if, you know my right. life story obviously i wasn't always a musician but like mm -hmm. you know it's important for people to feel to be able to find connections with people that they can share and i think that like 
you know, everybody has a grind, you know, where they're alone and they're, they're not, there's no audience, you mm -hmm. know, and that's your chance right there for you to practice for when you do have an audience or for you to do something that when, the, when people are paying attention, that they look back and say, wow, this person did went above and beyond, or they, they made decisions that they didn't have to make, you know? Right. Uh, not to get too abstract on this. Oh whatever. no, that's <laughs> totally fine. That, that's the entire point. If you um, heard my song domesticated, you know, I like to get abstract. Right. right. Um, and yeah, I think you, you do an amazing job of, of building that connection. Right. I mean, for example, the entire reason why I just immediately was like, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. You were so nice to come up and talk to me. Like for me, if anyone uh, ever comes to my shows, please come and say hi. Like that is my favorite thing to meet new people and connect with people. Like, yeah, that makes and, it all worth it. Yeah. Let me, let me say this right now for my listeners. You find yourself in Nashville, Tennessee. You, look for Paul Gordon. Uh, the show is incredible. Um, and also, yeah, like, like you mentioned, you know, um, it was very clear that you're appreciative of my coming up. Um, I, you know, every time that I approach people after a show and I'm like, hey, can I just put a microphone between us and talk for a little bit? Um, it's always a little bit nerve wracking because, you know, you literally had all eyes on you just a moment ago. And I'm just like, all right, let's see what happens. And everybody has been so kind in it. And everybody, you know, I kind of, I'm finding more and more that I absolutely love doing this. And that kind of like is my little dive, right? Um, yeah. Yes. Um, I think you make a really good point about it's those nights when nobody's around that are the nights when you're truly getting the most out of it. Um, one, obviously you get to practice your songs as much as you'd like. like mm. You know, you can <laughs> practice a performance of that. And if you have one person in the front row smiling and clapping, you're like, all right, we're doing something right. Uh -huh. You know, um, and my dad had this saying, um, and rest in peace to Kobe Bryant, um, which was everybody wants to be Kobe Bryant. Nobody wants to put in the thousands of hours of work in practice to be Kobe Bryant, which yeah. is why he was as great as he was, which is why as you're developing your craft, you're getting better and better. Everybody wants to be the person on stage at Whiskey Jam singing the song. Nobody wants to be the person who's making the drive to Hendersonville taking those dives in, making that, you know, even going up and um, and talking to, to Sam himself and being like, hey, next week, can I do a show um, yeah. and all of that? And so, yeah, I really admire um, how you recognize that. I think that's so important to recognize the value of those not huge moments um, that can yeah, build thanks, into something like Whiskey Jam. Yeah, um, you know, that's like, there's, we live in a time now where like, you're always being watched like by your camera or your phone or like, you know, you look back at yesterday. If you, if you tried to figure out what were you were doing every 10 minutes yesterday and you really had to, you could probably look at your calendar and your phone and your computer and your emails mm -hmm. and you could be like, okay, I was doing this and you could fill in the blanks of your memory or whatever. Right. And to me, like, I get this feeling like it is a spiritual feeling. It's like, uh it is like looking back like the way um to to go there like the way god exists in in people's spirituality as a judge of your of your of your time you know if you start looking at your world maybe maybe you're maybe it's not god for you but maybe it's your future self you know mm -hmm. or maybe it's you know your family or or just you know whatever your goals are 
It's like, is, does this thing that I'm doing, does it fit into my bigger picture of my life? And, you know, that also can be stressful because you can be taking it too far and be like, oh, I need to be doing something all the time towards my, and towards my endeavor that I'm trying to do, you know, and that's not necessarily true either because you need to stop and smell the roses and reflect and all that Mm. stuff. But like, to me, that was like a major life lesson. Like it took me a long time to think about this time as really valuable. And like, maybe that has to do with like getting older and realizing that your life kind of goes fast right? or like that you only, you know, that it's harder to make friends than you like really good quality lifelong friends. than you really know, you know, until it's till it's too late until you kind of don't have them or you lose them or, you know, like, you know, whatever it is, I like that, that was my musical journey to me was a big, a big part of letting go of, of like, you know, for example, like you go into finance or, or engineering because everyone says that that's the best thing to do. And for most people, that probably is a really best thing to do. But what do you do when you realize that you need more than that? You know, mm-hmm. what do you do when you realize that you're not, you might be growing professionally, but you're spiritually, you're getting worse, you know, mm. or like uh, me- uh, mentally healthy, you're, you're getting less mentally healthy, you know, because for me, like those were all questions I had to figure out, you know, so like those nights when you're alone, that's you against you, you know, in a big right. way. Right. You know, that's maybe a Joe Rogan thing or something, but like, I, I love it. <laughs> My hero. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is, isn't that like his thing? It's like, it's me against me and I'm winning. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. I don't know. If that's yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, interestingly enough, I was actually going to bring up, uh, I was listening to a podcast with uh, a nutritionist from Florida. I can't remember his name right now. Probably going to remember it right after the podcast is over. Um, yeah. Yeah, he was talking about, you know, he's obviously this big fitness guy and he's got this, he's like the father of the modern paleo diet. Like in, in the 80s, he was the guy that was like, you should do the paleo diet. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, so it started catching on. He's, we got a couple of books. I wish I could remember his name because he deserves a shout out. Um, regardless, um, he, uh, one of the things that he said is it's, it's all about being happy, right? And I think one thing that was cool is you do have to question and you have to ask yourself, what is the direction that I want to go in life? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, I know that when I first moved to Nashville, I didn't know anybody out here. Um, literally the closest person I knew was 800 miles away in, wow. uh, in Oklahoma. And I live alone. I don't have any roommates. Um, and then as well, even for work, I'm working remote from my California office. So I was just off to the races. And every day it was the same thing. It was me against me. Mm-hmm. And so I thought to myself, what do I need to do? So I've made this like regimen of I need to read every day. I need to work out every day. I need to uh, meditate every day. I need to spend uh, quality time on the phone with one of my friends every day or whatever. I need to go out. I need to make friends. And it was like, I'd speed up the way that I'm talking. And that's exactly how it felt. Like it was like, you have to do this. You have to do this. Like clock is ticking. Time is going by and bring it back to this nutritionist. He, um, he made a good point. And he was like, in the grand scheme of life, are you moving in the right direction? And that's what's important. Um, That being said, I'm the father of the paleo diet. I'm not going to see candy bar and say, I'll never eat one in my life again. Right. Like if I'm eating one every single day, those are habits that I need to wonder about myself. I'm not just going to say I can never enjoy a glass of red wine because of the fact that I have this, you know, do, 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 do. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, kind of talk to me a little bit about that experience with, because I think a lot of people burn themselves out from something that they're passionate about because they want to hold on, they grip it so tight that they break it. Uh-huh. Um, so kind of talk to me about that and finding that that medium of, you know, making sure that your spiritual growth is in line. You're still kind of working financially. You need to make sure that you're okay with the job that you have with the electric company um, and kind of knowing that this is the spiritual path I need to take. At the same time, let's do it in the right way. Let's not destroy myself in three months and never want to do this. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I honestly, like moderation has been one of the things I've contemplated the most in the last maybe year, but especially since the fall. Mm -hmm. And um, like I've been totally consumed at times, you know, with my creativity even with this idea of take, when, when do you, when have you taken it too far? You know, it's like, uh, just, you, I don't know, like I'm a very creative person. So like I get these ideas and they follow me around and I start looking at everything through the lens of, Oh, Oh, how does, how does this look when I consider it through this lens, you know? Right. And like, for me lately, I've been really interested in, uh, moderation as like a, like a, a topic. And so like, to me, moderation is like the key to the Western society. Like it is, you know, cause you can follow the paleo diet and you'll never have certain conditions happen in your body, but you'll also, mm. you know, some of those conditions might be good conditions that you might be missing out on, you know, like, mm. like having a wedding cake or something, you know, right, like, I don't know. Right. I don't know what it is. But like, uh, you know, food is also a reward, you know, so Mm -hmm. you you can't, maybe for some people, they can't handle a lot of reward. And that's like a a, a thing in and of itself. But like, you know, we live in a time today where if you want to be a workaholic, you will be celebrated, you know, and, and, you know, maybe good, you know, good. So if you want to be, if you want to move up the ladder, you better dedicate yourself to it or be so naturally talented at something mm-hmm. that there's no one that can beat you, you know, but for the most part, if you're trying to, if you're going to move up in the world or, or achieve some goal, you're going to have to really dedicate yourself to it if it's worth achieving, you know, and, and so you can easily go off the rails and that's in, you know, not just in the topic of success, but like for me, maybe in my life, I did it trying to have fun, you know, like, Maybe I had too much fun at times and I made unhealthy decisions or I hurt my friends or my friends and I all got an argument that was just stupid. We were just drinking or something, you know, right. Or like, uh, you know, you might, maybe it's in your relationships where you, not you, but someone might be smothering or like they might be unapproachable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you, you, the human condition is learning how to moderate your behavior and I think that like our spiritual systems that we have, like, you know, you, to me, you can read the Tao Te Ching and you can read the Old Testament and they're both going to just be stories about people learning how to moderate their behavior. And it's going to be like a lot of metaphors of extremes and like uh, stories about people that took things way too far and the, and the repercussions and like, even, you know, as like little kids, that's the, we learn those stories, you know, like don't eat mm-hmm. too much candy and stuff like that. Or like, you know, like 
always make sure you say thank you or please, or, you know, like you can be really in play, but if you just follow this simple rule, you know, you're going to be it's relatively all be good okay. from there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, but there's like really the, I think for me philosophically, like moderation has been something that I can contemplate on forever. And it's, it started to motivate some of my most recent creative projects, not like totally, mm-hmm. but like I can feel the, the influence now starting to come in in my life. And maybe that is one of the things like, I never had a, like a alcoholism problem, but I definitely mm-hmm. had times where I shouldn't have drank that much because there was no need to do it, you know? Right, There's right. There's no need. And that's kind of stoned all the time to talk about my song that's dropping June 11th on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, there it is. Uh, you know, that was it. It was like, I'm every day I wake up and I'm in the same place as I was yesterday. You know, what do I got to do to make a change, you know? Mm. And it's mm. like, uh, you know, just a little bit at a time, you know, just practice your guitar, you know, play, right. go out and meet somebody. You know, for me, I got involved in this one of the community orchestras in 2018. And that was like kind of taught me some lessons about like, you know, just going out in your community and meeting strangers and smiling at them. That's something a lot mm. of people don't ever do, you know, like sitting sitting in a a nice restaurant doesn't count, you know, like going out and like sharing some community with some people that live around you. Like when, like as, as two people that have moved around, like how long does it take before you start having feeling like, you know, you own part of your town that you're in or like you feel some kind of ownership over it. And like, we're encouraged to move around and find out the right opportunities. And like, you know, for example, like if you, if you were to get a PhD you probably lived in three different college towns. Right. You know, like, right. and you move every two years or something, you know, if there's things that are in our, that are missing from our culture that we, that we could do better, or like we could take a lesson from the past and start being like, you know, maybe don't serve yourself. Maybe you should like sacrifice a little bit of your self-interest, even if you don't know why, like just, a, just do something like right. community wise, go. You never know how it's going to come back. You yeah. Your neighbor, you don't have to talk to him, but you could just walk up and say, hi, how are you? I live down the street, you know, mm-hmm. that's something I didn't learn how to do until maybe wait, you know, maybe I was this last year, honestly, in some ways, you know? Yeah. So out of curiosity, um, and obviously, you know, that moderation is, is one of those things. And I guess to touch on that really quickly, um, I'm, I'm somebody who a lot of my life was kind of filled with absolutes. Um, I'm not, I actually have this joke. I always uh, tell people, I'm like, I'm not a superstitious person, but like, don't split holes. Don't have, don't ever step on a threshold. Don't ever put your feet on the sofa or like your shoes on the sofa. Like, and what's really interesting is I really don't believe that there are any bad effects of these things. Um, but I just, I like to do them. I kind of think that may, it makes life a little bit more fun. Um, and like, also like if I'm walking with um, my girl, like I'm always closer to the street. Um, I make like a, a point and an effort of it. And it was interesting because literally like two days ago, um, we went and we toured the Jack Daniels distillery oh, cool. and yeah. Awesome. By the way, if you get the chance to go take it, everybody <laughs> you come Jack to Nashville, Daniels. go there and then come to my show. <laughs> there it is. That's right. Yeah, I promise you're going to love it. You're going to love the, that's the Nashville experience. Go there. <laughs> Go to his show. Also, when you're in Lynchburg, start by barbecue. Stop by barbecue caboose. Get yourself some ribs from there. That is pure Southern food. Mm, sounds um, good. 
like you said, it's outside of that bubble, right? So it's yeah, like, totally. That's, that's right. Peter like Southern. Um, and I, you know, I, um, when we were at the Jack Daniels distillery, like I said, I always try to walk closer to the street if I'm with my girl. And she asked the tour guide a question. And the tour guide was closest to the street. Then she was like next to him. And then I was actually the one that was away from the street. And like, I had recently read something from Abraham Lincoln, which was, I have no absolutes. I just try to evaluate every single moment and see what's best in it. And then like, normally, if I had not read that recently, I probably would have like gone around Kyle, the tour guide, amazing guy. Um, I would have gone around him so I could be closer to the street and then Kyle's in the middle and then she's at the end. So then that way, but I was like, I, I want to be next to her, right? Like, I think that she wants me next to her as well. And then like, that's just the most, <laughs> like literally just like doing that. And then, so maybe Kyle has to move at one point because he feels uncomfortable because he's, you know, and it's, um, it's, I have a friend who has, uh, his name's Chris Hilton. And his saying is everything's good in moderation, including moderation, right? Like sometimes, yeah. <laughs> like you said, you get caught up in these bursts of creativity and allow yourself to enjoy it, run down it, enjoy the hell out of that. Um, just, you know, kind of play things by ear. And it's so easy to just say, cut and dry, like I need to do, like you mentioned, like practice your guitar as often as you can, if that's how you want to pursue life, if that's your passion. Mm -hmm. That being said, if there's like a day when you were just not trying to practice the guitar at all, or, you know, maybe you and some friends are about to go on a trip and you decide, you know, like you have two days on this trip and you're like, well, I have to bring my guitar because I need this half hour of practice (laughs) in. I'll just catch up with you guys later. You know, it's, that's when it's like, hey, kind of feel back a little bit. And so obviously that's one of the ways that you have grown. Um, You also mentioned that it's kind of, you talked about this past year has been such a big way for you to grow in terms of music. And, you know, Coming out of school, I just graduated last year. It's Where'd really you go easy to school? UCLA. Okay, wow, cool. Yeah, thank you. Um, Congrats, I, yeah. Yeah, appreciate it. Zoom class of 2020. Did you get a um, master's or an undergrad? That was my undergrad, yeah. Cool, cool. Um, so when you're, when you're in school, super easy to see improvement, right? I take a midterm, I get an 86 on it. I take a final, I get a 95 on it. Boom. You're doing great, right? Um, I got a B last quarter. I got an A this quarter. We're doing great. Music's not quite the same. I, you can't, you know, somebody might listen to a song and be like, this is awesome. Uh, there's a recording artist named San Holo. All respect to him. Cannot stand his music. Like, it just <laughs> does not matter what happens. A lot of people love it, right? He's a big uh-huh. artist. I can't get into it at all. Um, so how do you kind of measure your growth within music, especially internally yeah i mean and as a songwriter it's kind of hard to explain you know because it is abstract in a lot of ways but you know for me like i mean it's kind of hard to admit this but like i was a singer before i was a guitarist Hmm. i learned guitar so that i could play it while i sang then i start hanging out with these other musicians and i would get questions like, what key is it in? And I would look down at the guitar as a self-taught guitarist. I had played the cello and the piano, so I knew what keys were, but I didn't know what was what on my, on my guitar. Like I was Mm. just, I would be like counting down from a note I knew, you know? So for me, this, 
I'm much better than that now. But at mm. the same time, it's like there's music. There's a oh man, what's this Frank Zappa quote? They ask Frank Zappa. They're like, what do you? What would you say to anyone that's a a young new artist that is like a musician that's just getting started? And he like looks at the camera and he says something like, "Keep going. It never gets easier." You know, like, and yes, when you get to the top, it's still really hard or something like that. It's like, mm. he basically just is like, it's never, you're never going to be there. Mm. You know, like, just keep practicing, keep trying. You know, for me, like, a lot of my growth has been like, wow, look, I can do this now that I couldn't do. Mm-hmm. But for writing and and stuff like that, it's more just like, I pride myself on being able to talk about a complicated feeling or a complicated relate, you know, issue or something and being able to like really dive to the core of it and like create a feeling where like you've, I've essentially like, to me, the way I see it is I've boiled down this idea into a song and you, you know, like every time the chorus hits, it's like a new, you're, you're feeling it on another level, you know, that's kind of like on, on, on my songwriting to be able to, to be able to do something like a cool trick, you know, to be able to be like, Oh, I see what you did. You know, those things are kind of like, it's a lot harder to explain, you know, but like (laughs) you learn new, it's like, you know, so everyone took writing class or whatever. Mm -hmm. there's like techniques you know you can use a reference or an illusion or a metaphor and like some things are obvious and some things are like not obvious you know it's like so as a songwriter you just start to learn how to use new tools and you and then another cool thing is once you've done one done it once it's kind of hard to do it again you know because Mm -hmm. you have to write a new song that starts from the starts from the bottom and I don't know. Like I, I love songwriting to me. Like that's the thing that I love most about Nashville. It's like Nashville has the best players. Like there's 12,000 guitarists here, you know, like if you can't find a guitarist for your gig, you just didn't, you didn't ask, you didn't go down the street and ask people. Literally just go on Broadway. Go on. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Midtown. And so like, that's amazing here. And then the other thing is co-writing and meeting other writers and seeing them work and like just because sometimes you hear someone and you're like, eh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that song, man. It, but mm. then later you hear it and they've worked on it and it's like, whoa, okay. They just add like a I, little flare somewhere. Yeah, they just fixed it or they added a part to it or they changed some words. And mm-hmm. suddenly it's like, that is a really good song, you know? And like, I don't know, that's, I feel like totally spoiled to have been here around you know, it's like in finance school, you probably had some friends that you that you knew that were getting better grades than you. Maybe not. I don't know. But maybe you did. And like maybe just hanging out with them once a week, you could kind of learn. Right. <laughs> That's kind of yeah, how I nothing feel. Else just practices. Right. Yeah. Like, and be like, hey, just running this by you on the homework or whatever, or the test or the, mm-hmm. you know, like an engineering school, God knows how much I needed my engineering friends to get through it, you know, like this, you know, taking notes and practice exams. We were, mm-hmm. we, I mean, also engineers love to work together, like in teams, a lot of them do. Right. So we'd all be in the library together, studying together. And I feel like the, the ones that were better at a certain subject, they elevated everyone else around them by like kind of 
showing them how they thought about it, showing them their approach. That's what, to me, music growth in Nashville has been, you know, so like, if you know, if you, if you know anyone or if anyone listening to this knows anyone that is like considering moving to Nashville, there is not a lot of money to be made playing live. So if you're trying to make it as a live musician, play everywhere but Nashville Mm. (laughs) is what the people in Nashville do. They go on tour, you know, but you know, and Broadway is an exception because Broadway is uh, the people tour to you on Broadway, you know, it's different, but right. Then you have to play a strict set of songs, you know, basically. Yeah. You're not really getting the opportunity on Broadway to really pursue your own music. You're just a really great cover band. Right. The party is too lit for you to play your experimental songwriting songs. Right. You have to go in there with a tested, tested winning song. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) People are tipping for, for people who haven't been to Nashville, by the way, I remember my first day on Broadway, I went to Kid Rocks just by chance. Um, and Kid Rocks, I mean, you'll have people who are just like, if you want to hear this song, you got to pay $100 right now. Yeah. And then like somebody will like pay the 100 like multiple people will just immediately reach into their wallets to hear <laughs> one song, like play Freebird every single night. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I've got some stories like that. The, the, luckily, as a musician, uh, you know, you get to meet a lot of fun people like that. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's crazy. I, I was amazed. I was like, did, did somebody really just pay a hundred dollars? I can, I'll just go to the bathroom, Spotify it, listen to it, and then go back out. We had a guy tip us a hundred dollars at a show once that, that was like half of the tips we got. I mean, like those things make a huge difference. So what right. you'll get is you'll get fiddle players that learned Devil Went Down to Georgia. Right so that they can get a gig because the hundred dollars gets split between the band. So the band wants the fiddle player that can play devil went down to Georgia right. so that they all get paid more. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, I, I hope I'm not giving anything away to my friends, but like we've had a lot more success kind of winning over the audience when we have brass, when we have horns players, no kidding. We've got great horns players. Like we've got, I mean, we've got backup horns players in my band, you know, like we've got guys that can fill in for Jermaine when he can't play, you know, like, so that's been something that I've learned. Jermaine, your trumpet? trumpet player? Uh, Frederick's the trumpet player. Jermaine was on sax. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I, I'm, I might be lying here, but I'm pretty sure Jermaine is like self-taught. No kidding. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I see yeah. Jermaine. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's legit. Uh, yeah, but like like I said, like the musicians here are incredible. But like, um, if you want to make money touring, you got to get out of town. You got to go hit the road because the mm-hmm. other the other towns just totally. I mean, we're spoiled here. Like, you go into any place, you see amazing musicians. You didn't pay for it. You know what right. I mean? But that that the people that play here for free can charge a premium on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly believe it. Yeah, every once again, for those people who aren't from Nashville, I keep saying that as well because I'm from California. So my my base is typically California. Um, just it's so crazy. There's a reason why they call it Music City for certain. The entirety, everywhere you go, you're gonna hear live music. Yeah, and like you mentioned, if you are looking for you know somebody to play your event and you can't find one, 
what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I played a law school like event one time where I thought they wanted me to play originals, but they wanted me to sing the national anthem. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I see. I see. Did you learn this before or after the show? Right before, like the oh, okay. day of. Yeah. So I I uh, practiced. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you just we're like, all right, let's go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but you know, sorry, that's a random story. But like, yeah, you're right. I mean, like, people will just go up to you and be like, "Hey, you you play guitar, play my thing," right. which is kind of fun about this place too. Yeah. Yeah, it seems uh, seems like a really fun part of it for certain as a musician. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, speaking of, hey, come to my place and play. Uh, last time we talked, you are currently in talks to set up a residency with Acme, right? Yes, I don't know how official it is, um, but they say they want us to come in, and they were at the Whiskey Jam show watching us, and they said awesome. then that they were going to get us in. Right. So. I don't know when it starts, but I would love it to be this summer, hopefully, you know, <laughs> as soon as possible. But yeah, Acme is like, that's such a great venue. Um, like I, having moved here in 2013, like Acme was like the newest, coolest place. And I've gone there so many times in my life and I've watched a lot of great bands there. Right. And like, I, I, I knew a guy that played bass. This is before I was getting back into music um back when i was just as much of a bass player as a guitar player to be honest you know like mm -hmm. uh but um i would go to his gigs there and just like i just love i love the the venue so like the idea of us playing there is really great it's also like it's not a country venue mm -hmm. so as someone that doesn't really know many country songs uh i'm looking forward to, to playing there big time like right yeah would you kind of mind? Would you mind walking us through a little bit of what the residency process of like getting started with that is like? Yeah, you know, I don't know. It's not like I don't know if that word is used by everyone in the business. Like that's what I call it, mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of what some people around me have called it. But I'll give you some examples. Like, you know, you get in with a venue by making a relationship with the booking people. Okay. And, you know, a booking person has a lot, usually has a lot of jobs, but one of their jobs is to make sure that there's a band and then right. <laughs> they might or might not be in charge of paying for them. So there's like some, you know, some kind of unique situations that you find yourself where like a booking person might have their five bands and then they don't want to meet anyone else because they, their five bands work for them. And if one band backs out, they can get another band to come in. Right. Right. You know, so a lot of times you get these residencies because they are selective about who they let in. They're not looking for new bands. So they just give you a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And um, so, for example, like that's kind of what we had over COVID. The large venues were all closed. The small ones were only closed for a little bit. And then they opened back up with restrictions. Mm -hmm. So we started before the pandemic, we were playing like Tuesday nights every other Tuesday or something. Mm -hmm. Me and Pino and the guys that you saw. Right. And uh, over the course of that, they lost touch with a lot of their contacts that weren't playing. 
So we started getting Friday nights, Thursday nights, Saturday nights, you know, until now. Right, you start like, getting the bigger nights. Yeah, yeah. So now when we play, we kind of have our choice. You know, we, we play the nights we want to play. And if we get a bigger, you know, if we can go play a place that pays better or, or has a different crowd or, you know, there's a lot of reasons to take a gig. Right, right. But, you know, the, the idea of Acme uh, trusting us to play in front of their audience is like really exciting for us because that's kind of our favorite scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's 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 crazy that to think, you know, of, of Paul coming into Nashville literally eight years ago um, and, and walking into a bar, you know, hearing it and being kind of enamored with this place. Not even no idea that, like, hey. I'm interested in music. Well, obviously you knew you were interested in like recording. Yeah. And, you know. Well, dude, I was like, I was watching the guitar players and the bass players and the drummers, you know, like I was an, a, a music nerd. Right. Right. So I came in, I was like, dang, this guy's doing all sorts of cool tricks with his guitar. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But not thinking to yourself, like, yeah. And, and like on top of that, it's not even like the type of thought of like, wow, I, I want to do that. Like, I want to get yeah. up there and do that. Just kind of like, look at this guy. This is crazy. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, a couple of years roll around, you know, nearly a decade later, they could come up to you and they're like, Hey, would you mind um, doing that? <laughs> yeah. Can you be the guy doing some crazy stuff up on stage, singing some crazy songs? Yeah, man, that is right. Yeah. Dude. A uh, funny story about that. When I got, when I came here for that business trip in 2013, mm-hmm. I just graduated college. Like I had no idea how cool it was that my company was flying me to Nashville. Cause like, I just assumed that they did that all the time, you know? Right. Like, like cause it's the first week of work for me. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. First week we were flying you to Nashville. Okay. So like they standard. Had a, yeah. Let's go. Yeah. So me and some of my new coworkers that I just met, we went over to Tootsie's late at night on like a Tuesday night. And mm-hmm. we went to the, the front was so packed. We went to the back downstairs stage because for those people who don't know tootsies has like four stages right so we went they were still building the 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 roof one at that time so we went to the the downstairs backstage and there was like less people back there but there was a good band and this guitar player did this trick where he was like in the middle of the song he like drank his beer and like strummed his guitar and like slid the bottle up and down to play no the way <laughs> yeah and like and i remember distinctly i was like that's cool and like the audience all thought it was cool you right know, like okay so fast forward almost a year a year later almost to the day like it was a tuesday night in july i just moved here like i just got my apartment in uh, antioch and i was mm. like going downtown to see stuff with some coworkers, and we went to tootsies and the front was packed and we went to the backstage and that same band was there no and that kidding. guy was doing the the beer thing again it was Let's like go i was like this and so now looking back on it like of course because they're like the tuesday band right right yeah it makes it makes sense <laughs> like, once you understand like the industry a little yeah, bit yeah <laughs> i love that that's so sick yeah okay. it, that's kind of a natural thing yeah but by the way can i ask um what what uh what part of antioch or what was your apartment complex man i don't know if it's still called this but it was called gazebo apartments gazebo. and it, okay. i got it sight unseen because it was right by our office our office was by the airport okay i see 
And man, I lived in Minneapolis before and I was used to Minneapolis prices. And so when I moved here, I was like, oh my God, it's like way cheaper. It, there's right. pools and tennis courts and a parking lot. Right. <laughs> like what the heck? I was way overpaying in Minneapolis compared to that. Uh, I, uh, so I was, I loved it. But then, you know, as I got to know the town better, I was like, you know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be like living this far away from all the stuff I like to do, you know? Right. But uh, looking back on it, it was a great place. Yeah. I, uh, I currently live in Antioch. So. Oh, no uh, way. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I was, I was wondering, I, um, I live, do you know where the planet fitness is at? Yeah, I think so. Like on, uh, what road is like Antioch Pike and. Murfreesboro. Yeah, got it. Yeah, literally right across the street from it. Dude, that's like <laughs> right. Um, Gazebo Apartments is just south of Thompson Lane. Okay, that's on Ante- okay. It, like Antioch <laughs> Pike. Antioch Pike takes you to the back of my apartment complex that I was in. Okay, I see. You. Yeah, I see. You. So it looks like that area has the market cornered on transplants. You know what? I think it is. <laughs> yeah, because you look. I mean, like you said, like I'm, I'm from LA. Right. Yeah. So I looked at the prices. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And there's a pool. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's two pools, a jacuzzi. I was like, I literally, maybe, um, maybe pools are more common in LA, but they're not common in Minneapolis. Yeah. Like I, you know, and I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think for, for people who are transplanting, I think that this was a good point that, that you brought up is, kind of consider of what it is that you want out of a town, right? Um, because at first I was like, I want a pool, I want a jacuzzi, um, and then I want I want to be close to a golf course, which I got all oh, yeah. three of those things, right? Yeah, nice. And I realized I could drive to all of those things, but if I'm, what I do the most, right, like is I like to go to Whiskey Jam, right? And uh, obviously you're going to be like, I mean, I'm not getting wasted, but it helps a lot if I, you know, I don't have to find parking when I drive. I don't have to use yeah, the yeah, gas yeah. when I drive. I don't have to, um, you know, I can, I never have to focus on if I need, I'm going to need an Uber home because I got a little bit too inebriated, right? Yeah, totally. Um, and so, like, I have a friend who lives literally right, um, do you know where Hopsmith is? Isn't it right on that Demumbrian Division area right there? Isn't yeah, it a pizza place? Hopsmith is, so if you're facing winners, Uh it's just the furthest left um, place on that same street. Got it, got Um, it. He lives across the street from that. Oh, sweet. Oh, my God, what a hack. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so just for, this is completely off topic, but (laughs) for anybody who's uh, moving to a new area. Yeah, I had the same. I had a friend that lived at 20 and Grand, which is right by the Chipotle by Vanderbilt. Right, okay. And I would crash on his couch all the time. Like, that was just the play. Yeah, yeah. You just, you know, you're like, screw it. We're gonna make it happen. Let's, let's. <laughs> I know where I want to be. I think it's cool to like. Um, I've had, you know, it's good to have like little stints and in, in the part of town that you don't necessarily want to live in. But I'm gonna be honest. When I, uh, when I move around, I'm definitely gonna find myself more in that uh, midtown area. Well, if you ever move to East Nashville, you'll never leave. Really? Because everything you ever want to do is suddenly in East Nashville. I don't know why. I used to make fun of all my friends that lived in East Nashville because they would never leave. Mm-hmm. And now that I live here, I I rarely do anything outside of East Nashville. So No kidding. So you just know that that's the trap. If you're into it, you're into it. Right. It's going to suck you in. It's got that. Yeah. It, it's cool too because it's a little bit of, um, for, for our listeners, East Nashville is like a little bit of a hipstery vibe. 
Totally. Um, yeah, coming from California, I would say East Nashville is kind of what identifies is most California esque out of the out of the Nashville area. Well, my wife uh, is from Nashville and uh, went to Pepperdine. Okay. And uh, lived in Austin working for a startup. And then she moved to Nashville because she was working remote. Mm-hmm. And uh, like we, she and I, like, even though I'm like a big 10 guy, like our people, this is our people over here. Like I loved living in other places, but like, I feel like me and my neighbors are all on the same page. And like, we're all different walks of life. We've got totally different jobs. Like, we're all like it's a pretty diverse area but we all like have like a similar respect for each other and interests and we just like to kind of sit out on our front porch and talk and stuff it's a different speed you know like when i lived over south nashville it's busy there's you know like homeless people and fast food restaurants and like people going through there that don't care about the area like you Mm -hmm. know it's just not as like neighborhoody Mm-hmm. It's really nice. There's fun places everywhere, but East Nashville is like a little slower. Everyone kind of pays attention more. Everyone's kind of more friendly. Yeah, a bit just, of a feel. I, of, I it's like, like it. a bit of a suburban feel, you know. Yeah, it's like it's got city blocks, which a lot of Nashville kind of doesn't have that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. Um, so in when you moved for electrical engineering to Nashville. And this is kind of just a different type of jump in general, right? Like sure. not necessarily the music industry. What was it that was kind of like, yeah, let's get out of Minnesota? Like, man, it's kind of a kind of has to do with the job I had, but like they hired me to be a sales engineer. Okay. But then they downsized the office that they moved me to. Hmm. So I was in training, but there was no openings. Right. <laughs> okay. It's a bold strategy. <laughs> so they were trying to get me to move. They were like, uh, we have an opening for you in Tampa. We've got an opening for you in, you know, like naming random cities. And I was like, this is a huge company. Uh, I'm pretty sure I could find a job in any place I wanted to live. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a big office in Nashville because I've been there. Mm-hmm. So we had some people that were on the marketing team coming to our sales office and taking our customers out. Um, and so I just told them, I was like, are you hiring? You know, like I need a, need a job. I, I've already been trained in sales, you know? So mm-hmm. like, it's kind of like similar to what you're doing. And there was one guy that was like, heck yeah, I need help, you know, come down. Right. That's it. So they hired me. Yeah. They interviewed me and hired me and, um so it's kind of like an internal move or whatever right and then i and then i got to be the guy that flew around and took customers out so that was pretty fun oh so you're like i'm killing it right now yeah that's that's when i felt like you know like when i felt like everything was coming together i was like right like man i found a job where i can be an extrovert and i can just be Mm -hmm. really social and talk to people about their their problems and then i can tell my boss about what we're trying to do for them I've just felt like I was always making everyone feel better. You know, right. it's like, and then it's so hard to find a job like that, you know, where you're coming in and everyone's happy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're so literally... hard, like you're talking about your audit friends. It's like, no one wants to talk to those guys. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. It's so funny. Oh, Cause um, I, uh, 
I, I'm, I'm technically a consultant, not an accountant, but I work for one of the big four. So uh -huh. um, it's so funny though, because I, I love to dance. Uh, like, and I, whenever I'm anywhere, like I'm always like trying to spin people around the dance floor, have a good time, dipping people, talking to everybody, huge extrovert. And <laughs> I love it whenever people are like, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I work, you know, for blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, you're an accountant? <laughs> that makes no <laughs> sense whatsoever. What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, kind of like what, when was it that you recognized? Cause you know, you're, you're feeling like the big hunch over here. And then, you know, a couple of years later you find that um, as great as it is, it's not really, you, you know, you're not fulfilled. Well, I, I felt, um, you know, company things have a lot to do with it. Like our budgets changed and like, mm -hmm. I started to be in charge of decisions that were harder to make. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was getting experience, but that I wanted some, I felt like I needed more advanced experience. Like I felt like if I didn't grow, I was going to not be valued as much in the future. Mm -hmm. um, so I started really trying to find ways to grow in my company. And that's when, um, you know, the company I was with too was under pressures from international management to make decisions that they did not care how the employees at the bottom oh, of the, you know, okay. it was just like they, um, if you work for a fortune 200 company, they're going to make financial decisions that don't always shape out perfectly at the end. So what I found myself, when I asked for more challenging assignments, they were giving me things that were really, uh, not sexy and okay. not, not fun. And also like, you know, I started to feel kind of like the guy in office space in the basement. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I started to be <laughs> like, like, Hey, give me something else. And they were like, uh, here catch. And they threw me like a giant pile of turds, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> and so like my job, like in my effort to grow, I, and I did, I mean, I think I did grow a lot. Um, I started to find new challenges that were really really mentally and emotionally difficult for someone that's extroverted, you know? Okay. So like, you know, it's like, you know, like I'm, I wake up in the morning with a clown nose on and makeup mm -hmm. to, using a metaphor. And right. I want to be a clown. <laughs> he actually has a clown nose and makeup on yeah. right now. No, just like, I, <laughs> <laughs> I wake up in the morning. I want to goof around and want to have fun and want to take care of my friends and family. Like that's what mm -hmm. I want to do. And I go to work to do that. But when those things are not happening at any of those levels, you know, that's when for me, I really started to like question, you know, what do I want to do with my life? You know, like, do I want to be, because I have these valuable skills and like, I could, I went and talked to a recruiter one time and they were like, you could get a job wherever you want, you know, just figure out where you want to go. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got business management experience and sales experience and marketing and engineering. You know, your problem is you probably did too many different things, mm. you know? So I was just like, I don't know if you're into personality stuff that can be some people's problem. You know, they just general, they're just generalists. They can't focus on something for more than two hours or whatever. Right. And so, you know, eventually I was just like, why am I trying to find something that's just like what I'm doing, you know? Mm. But then music kind of forced itself on me in a way where once I started doing it, I realized that I had talents that 
if I didn't use them, I would never use them. Right. Right. Uh, gosh, that brings up so many things. <laughs> um, so one, I, uh, there's a philosopher uh, named Frederick Nietzsche. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he has one of the coolest things that I've ever read in my life was um, because I used to be like the type of person where I'd see people post on Instagram and TikTok or whatever. And I'd be like, this is, you know, like this person is just trying to like get their stuff out there. Like, I don't know. I was always a little bit cryptic. Like I was like, this person is uh, selfish as hell. Um, or cryptic, I'm, right, we're just going to come in a little bit. Um, but um, it's going to kill me that I can't think of that. Anyway, um, and I was like, this person is always just looking out for themselves. And then I read this quote from Frederick Nietzsche, which is uh, basically, those who come into the world and do not create are the most selfish individuals that they can be. Like, all, if all you can do is consume what the rest of the world has to offer, right? Like, I listen to music and I just give nothing back at all, you know, or it doesn't have to be music that you're giving. Um, but yeah, and it's, it's, um, it's interesting how that kind of changed my entire outlook. And so I love the fact that you were kind of like, okay, well, I wanna, I wanna wake up, I wanna give something to my friends and family. And it makes sense from, you know, a third party perspective that you were like something that people enjoy that brings people together, it's the music, right? Mm -hmm. um, another thing, there's a book by Robert Greene, it's called Mastery. Um, which is actually where I believe I got that Frederick Nietzsche quote from. And <clears throat> in Mastery, he talks about the fact that whatever it is that you're meant to do, yeah, it kind of, you use the word that it forced itself on you. And it's really interesting because of the fact that that's exactly kind of how it is. Is It's not, um, if something's your calling, it doesn't feel like you're dipping your toe into, like, into it. It's just kind of like, all of us, you know, maybe, maybe you go to dip your toe in and then you fall into the lake and you're just ensconced. Um, and so I, I love hearing that and, and how it caught on. And I guess a last point is, um, yeah, when you're looking for more challenge in, in your career. And I think that this is something that's, that I'm coming to the realization of. And honestly, this is the entire point of this, this podcast. Is I want people to, to hear, uh, hear your story and say, you know, I am currently at my job, um, you know, may maybe even I like what I do, but at the end of the day, I look at the end product of what I've done, you know, and if it's 40 years down the line and I'm gonna retire tomorrow, I don't wanna, I'm not gonna look back at it and be like, did you see the amount of money that I saved that company? Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> and some people love that and that's their thing. That's all wave of gravy, baby. But like some people would look back and say, what, what did I do for the last 40 years? Yeah. Um, and so for me, it's interesting because I'm doing what I'm doing. And uh, like I said, I have an amazing team. I will not talk anything bad about my company. It's a fantastic company. I'm just recognizing that it's not for me. And a lot of people have said, doesn't that suck that like the year after you graduated college, you recognize that exactly what you just studied was not for you. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, um, the way that I look at it is, isn't it awesome that the year after I graduated college, it took less, it took less than a year. We're coming up on a year. I realized that there's a different path. Mm -hmm. um, so I like what you're, what you've been through and what you're going through, your story is incredible. And so, yeah, Thanks, like I, I love hearing that dive. I love hearing how you got to that point.
Well, thanks, man. Like I, I'm happy to share it. And I, I hope that, uh, you know, people will find like the, my whole thing with my music is I want people to feel better. I want people to feel like they're not alone. And I want people, you know, like my music comes from a place of contemplation of my own existence and my own anxiety and my own memories that make me upset and, mm -hmm. and like dealing with those things. So I think it, as you listen and as other people listen, you know, they will hear a very personal story about trying to figure that stuff out. And I think like, uh, I can't wait to release more of it. Mm -hmm. my, my, my album is called Slow Recovery. Right. And it's a personal story about basically my 20s um, told through a bunch of songs like that. It probably doesn't read like a narrative, but my friends and family will recognize it kind of like that. And like, uh, I hope that people will appreciate, you know, like my personal story. But also, I, I really want people to work on their own personal story, you know, like mm -hmm. I want them to 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 find peace in what they're trying to do, you know what I mean? Because I think that's like what you're talking about. It's really important to get in touch with that. Right, yeah. I think it's, you know, I, I, I love the fact, I also didn't even know just for all the listeners that the entire album was about your 20s. <laughs> that, that's perfect. <laughs> it's literally the exact story that we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I know well, one thing's for sure. Okay. You're gonna have one listener at the very least who's playing it on repeat. <laughs> Um, all right cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh yeah so i i um i i just want to know if you had you know and we've already touched on this in a, in a lot of different ways but if you had you know one last thing that you could say to to everybody um everybody listening who is in a place like i am where it's kind of like maybe even just speaking to me um where you know i i'm looking for my passion. I'm, I, I recognize that it's somewhere out there. Um, I'm a little bit of a generalist myself, right? Uh, jack of all trades. What's the second mm -hmm. part of that? Master of none. Yeah, that scares yeah. me. <laughs> um, but what, what would you just say to somebody in their early 20s? Um, or maybe what would you even say to, you know, Paul, as he's coming out of college? Um, if you if you only had a minute to, to tell him? Yeah, man, you know, like, seeing that you're really similar to me, in, in your disposition and your, uh, you know, you're an empathetic extroverted person. You know, for me, the hardest thing about the business world was that there's so many times where it's just devoid of empathy or care, you know, about the emotional aspect. And like, for me, that's what the world I live in, you know? And so like, it was really difficult for me to figure out how to cope with my feelings that came out of those things that are not supposed to give you feelings, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, it was also hard for me to find something that I, a reason to care about some things, you know? So like, I would say that, you know, you maybe for me, maybe this isn't healthy for everybody, but for me, I had to do things to make, to serve the people around me that, you know, they were doing it for their family and for their kids. You know, they're doing it because their kids are trying to go to college or whatever it is. A lot of the people I worked with were a lot older and made it really hard to connect with them, you know, about their life story. And they didn't really give a shit about me in a big way too. You know, like they, mm -hmm. they could care less what I did last night, you know, what cool story I had. So like, I would say that, you know, that don't be, don't be, uh, 
don't be worn out by people when they're worn out, you know, look at them and say, this is somebody that is worn out and I can, I can do something or I can help them, you know, do better. And then in the meantime, you know, tough it out when it's tough and then look for opportunities to change and grow, you know, because the one thing that, that I wish I would have done more is I wish I would have changed jobs, maybe, maybe one, one more time than I did and, and be willing to be uncomfortable and take a shot on something. And sometimes things fail. And like, I have a couple of regrets and not, I wouldn't call them regrets, but like things where I was like, that was dumb <laughs> that I did in my career. And I think like those things are going to happen and just let them happen. And, you know, learn from them. No one expects us to go through life and not make a mistake. And when you're young, it feels like mistakes are huge because it feels like your whole life trajectory changes. Mm. But in a lot of ways, you know, that's not really true. You know, our world changes so fast and like people's memories of what you were like don't even last, you know, in some ways, you know, you're always reinventing yourself. So just like kind of embrace the reinvention and the hopes of personal growth and like, don't let the, don't let the emotionless job uh, make you think that there's no hope or emotion in it. Because in reality, like a lot of people's lives depend on what you're doing. And I mean, yours, obviously, but like your coworkers too. And like, there's not like some celebration or award ceremony for making the people around you feel better but it'll make the world better and it'll make you sleep better. And, you know, you, you'll know if you did the right thing when you look back on it, you know, too, that's the best I can do. <laughs> that is beautiful. <laughs> that's, that's the best I can do. No flex or anything. Um, yeah, man. I, I think, yeah, don't, don't be afraid to fail. And I, God, there's so much to unpack there. <laughs> I, um, I think that it's really interesting. There was the fact that you mentioned don't be afraid to change jobs. If there's one thing that you wish that you could have done, maybe change jobs just one more time, mm-hmm. which is incredible because earlier when you were talking to the recruiter, the recruiter said, maybe you've done one too many things. Yeah. And, and you recognize, you know, like I think that it's so interesting how a lot of the world has these, has these set standards of what they think is right and what they think is wrong. Um, and oh my gosh, this guy Paul's got amazing experience, but look at him, he's got too much of it right? Um, Too many of these experiences that you can combine into something great. So ultimately, I I want you to know, um, and I mean this seriously, I, this is is all about me trying to find in my life, my my own direction. And I want to pass that on to as many people as I possibly can. And so uh, I want you to know that if nothing else tonight, you help somebody find it, at least get a step closer. And so I want to thank you so much, Paul. Hey, you're welcome, Corey. I'm happy to do it. Let's do it again. I would be so happy to do it again. Um, before I let you go, out of cur- I just want to let everybody know, uh, once again, this is my guest, Paul Gordon. Uh, Paul Gordon is a musician who currently is working on getting a residency on Broadway in Nashville. That's <laughs> awesome. Also going to be touring pretty soon. And his album will be released, The Slow Recovery. Make sure to check it out on Spotify just look for Paul Gordon. He'll be the first guy that pops up. It's kind of a big deal. Um, and Paul, when was that getting released again? June 11th? 
No, uh, right now we're doing the singles and okay. I've got, I've got two more singles off the album and then I'll drop the album in the late summer and then I'll have an EP done by this that I'll release in the fall. So there it is. Uh, 14 songs coming out this year. Okay. And for the music that you have released already, um, is there, are there any more songs in addition to domesticated in September that we can find on SoundCloud or yeah. YouTube? So um, if you go to my website, paulgordon.band, you can find links to all my YouTube, my Instagram, my, I put my show dates on there. I try to keep those updated every week. Um, right now it's a lot of stuff in the Nashville area, but I do have a show, a show booked in Sioux Falls mm -hmm. and I'm uh, uh, taking some road trips this, like I'm leaving, uh, doing one uh, next week actually. So um, more, more, more dates coming in the Midwest uh soon soon to follow but i'll keep everyone posted as the world ramps back up and um uh cory i'll send you a an ultra secret leak of the record if you want to listen to it oh i would <laughs> love that let's go right. <laughs> i appreciate that all right cool okay paul gordon once again thank you so much for coming on um i'm gonna go ahead and stop the recording now uh, right, but cool. if i can talk to you for just a moment afterwards for sure I appreciate that